How would you like to be part of a conversation that changed someone's life or even changed your own life? Welcome to the Be Fun, Be Kind podcast, where we have amazing discussions hosted by someone new each week. Join us at BeFunBeKind.com to be part of our live events. Now, here's your host for this week's episode. My name is Patricia Dickinson, and I am a teacher educator. So I've been working in higher education since 2009, which is just about the time I finished my doctorate from the University of Southern California. Um, Since that time, I've been working in the area of preparing in-service teachers for the teacher credentialing program here in California. Um, In addition to that, you know, I've, I've been doing some research in the area of mathematics and education and teacher professional development. I'm really a big fan of, you know, developing in growth mindset and and just growing in your practice and reflecting as an educator in order to kind of just stay current because, you know, the classroom's changing, our students are changing, society changes. And so, you know, it's something that's always in flux. And social-emotional learning, which includes things like kindness and compassion and empathy and, and uh, growth mindset, those are social-emotional skills that we've actually are seeing a resurgence of teachers coming into the classroom and, and the need to teach those soft skills. For a while, back um, when I started teaching in uh, 1999, it was a real big emphasis on uh, No Child Left Behind, which was one of the benchmark legislations that pushed our education system towards a real strong focus on uh, reading and writing and math. And so the big emphasis for so long has really been on academics and, you know, the fact that for, for many, for decades now, um, American students have lagged behind their peers in terms of their academics. So, so our, our society has really changed as a result of some of the data that we're seeing, but we know that with every cause, with every, you know, initiative or change, right, there is an effect. There is a consequence. There is a repercussion. And so because of such a strong emphasis, and a very exclusive emphasis on academics, we're seeing students that are really um, at a deficit in terms of developing social-emotional skills. And so it's great to have you guys here today because we are talking about kindness. And kindness is a social-emotional skill. And I think there is this um, misnomer that, you know, as teachers, we, we need to just teach. I think that's how I was trained too. I'm just going to teach the letters, the sounds, the academics, you know, all of my content knowledge. Um, and I'm not going to really emphasize that because they'll get that from home, but our kids aren't getting that. In fact, we need to be very explicit in teaching those soft skills so that they can have positive relationships. They can have happiness beyond education. They can find fulfillment in their life and they can have good peer relationships. And so really the topic today about how to explicitly teach kindness is so important. And you can teach everything with, through a lens of social emotional learning. You can teach math, you can teach social studies, you can teach science. And really it's about 
our perspective and our lens that we look at our subject areas in and how we can be more intentional in terms of teaching those soft skills, um, such as kindness. So interesting enough, when I started thinking about this topic of kindness and looking at some of the research, um, one of the things that I found was that students see kindness as a mark of a good teacher. And I think that's really important because I know personally as a teacher educator, you know, we're so focused on that classroom management space that um, we don't emphasize enough how, our, how we are perceived by our students. And so we need to be intentional in terms of letting our students know that we care about them and letting our students know that, um, that those strengths of the heart are what really matter and what make us human beings. So today, for example, was um, my son's first day of distance learning, and he is in middle school. So I asked him, what did you think about your teacher? And I said, you know, he was talking about his language arts teacher, and she's like, well, she's all unicorns and, and uh, rainbows and flowers. And I said, what does that mean? I was a middle schooler. Like, he's 12 years old. You know, he's in seventh grade. He's like, you know, she's the kind of teacher, and this was the first time he met her, you know, in distance learning, that cares, that cares about other people being kind and cares about how um, people treat each other. And, and I said, wow, I mean, that was just really that he got that much depth from her in a virtual meeting and was able to see her character. And I just said, wow, that really speaks volumes about how people perceive us, how our students perceive us, even in that first, you know, 20 minutes of meeting her. It was the first 20 minutes just meeting her in a virtual space. He already had an impression of his seventh grade humanities teacher and as a parent of course you know I'm like over there listening and I was like well what is she doing you know what what's happening there and I noticed she was really intentional intentional on getting to know the kids and she would make comments about you know oh I want to see your pretty face she said to one little girl because she had her microphone off um or I really like you know your the color of your eyes or what you're wearing today or you know, just really complimenting the kids and creating this really um, inclusive environment where the kids felt safe to share about their day, their summer, what was happening. And I was like, wow, already in the first 20 minutes, she's telling the kids that she cares about them. And so kindness is an action. And it's not just something that we do, but it's also our intentions. It's perceived by our students and then our students are able to name and recognize what we're doing and have an impression about who we are. So um, when you think about ways that you can teach kindness, you want to think about um, the, this particular virtue. And you want to have some authenticity of it. You want to be open. And just like the teacher that I was listening to today, she was expressing some of her emotions around um, COVID-19 or some of her anxiety about the first day of school and not being able to be face-to-face -face with her students. And so I think that some of that humility and just really being humble 
as a teacher and, and expressing our emotions is really important to let the kids know, hey, we're human. This is how we feel. And um, it's okay to be scared or it's okay to be, um, you know, have some anxiety or to feel a certain way. She's modeling that for her kids. And by doing so, she's really creating a safe space for them to, to learn and to grow. So, you know, as you go into this, whether you're teaching remotely or you're teaching face-to-face, think about building those relationships and how you can model kindness in your practice. So kindness is action or speech. It's our intention, whether we um, be really intentional in what we do. Um, I remember when I started teaching back in 1999, a neighbor of mine who was very kind, she, she actually gave me um, a box. It was just like a goodie box of stuff. She knew I was going on to my journey to become a teacher. And she had this clock that she gave me and had an apple. And right around the, the, the perimeter of the apple, it said, give students your most, uh, give students your most precious gift, which is your time. So um, when we go and think about being in the classroom and being with our students, I think if we can frame it on giving our students ourselves, giving them the time, you know, and what does that look like? You know, a student, sometimes they come in and especially the younger students and they'll, you'll ask them about their weekend and it could be literally a, a five minute story about what they did. Um, some of it may be, seem a little nonsensical and you might think, oh man, I have to really get this done before everything else happens. And so you're feeling a little anxious. I know this was me my first years, but I want to tell you that it's really important that when you're feeling that, that your kids are picking up that you're almost like you're the weatherman for your classroom. And so you want to be really intentional with whether you're saying it or not saying it, just the energy that you're putting off to your students. And so being really intentional, being a listener for your students um, shows that you care. And that's really caring and kindness are mutually, you know, they're interconnected. So showing your students that you care, that you want to be present for them, you're going to take the time to listen to them, whether it's a long story or not. Or it's a student that's angry and mad and is coming into the classroom, being intentional with trying to check in with him, check in with his weather, seeing how he's feeling, why he's feeling a certain way or she, um, and being very intentional with, with what we do with our students and how we can and demonstrate kindness and be authentic and help them to, to name and recognize their feelings when they are feeling any moment. To, to model for them what kindness looks like, right? Because it's an abstract thing. I don't think um, kids are aware of what kindness looks like. We have to be very, you know, explicit with them in terms of what does it mean to be a kind partner? What does it mean to be a kind helper when they're working in groups or when they're, you know, the line leader? What does kindness look like? Does a, a line leader... Is that the person that makes sure they stay in, in line and or is in control? Or is that the person that's checking in with everybody? It's the person that, you know, making sure kids have their shoes tied so they don't trip and fall or, you know, that they have their hands behind their back so they don't, you know, um, get hurt or, you know, 
making sure that the line is quiet so that we can listen to our teacher and hear directions. And so it's really about how we space things and how we frame things for our, lear our learners. And the line learner could be something completely different depending on how we frame it. It could be someone that has control and has power. That's the first, they're in charge, right? So you can see how that whole entire mindset of whatever we do can really shift based on how we frame things. And so when you act kind and you want to make sure, you know, and when I was teaching, we used to show photos. We had a program called uh, Second Step. And um, I would show the kids photos of an interaction and ask them, what do you, what do you think is happening here? What, how do you think this child feels and looking at these uh, emotional faces and getting them to kind of be able to interpret someone's expression and be able to be mindful of how someone's feeling in a moment. And why does that help us? Well, for example, the kids are out in the playground. I remember teaching first grade, they'd be out in the playground. And, um, you know, every time they came back, oh, Mrs. Dickinson, when we were out in the yard, so-and-so was mean to me and he pushed me or I was first in line and you cut me or I wanted to play with Charlie today and you told me I couldn't play with Charlie. And I was like, oh my goodness, you know, just got back from recess and I feel like a fire marshal putting out all these fires now. And, you know, so I had to realize as a teacher that my kids really lack these social emotional skills. They needed to kind of be those. Um, and what we did, we had a kindness wall as one of our posters. And so kids were able to be kindness detectives and kind of search out what kindness looks like. So kind of that whole mindset of, you know, building in positive behavior systems and support where kids were intentional and also watching each other, looking for kindness, looking for models so that they can be um, aware of what kindness looks like. And it's really important for them because then they were learning skills. They were learning, what does it look like to help another person? What does it look like to be kind and be an active listener? What does that mean? Um, what should I be doing? And I even did this when I was working with my middle schoolers and you know, I'd have them work in groups. And I noticed that one person was always dominating the conversation. And, you know, that's really not productive in terms of actually having learning happen when it was just one person saying, oh, the answer is five and you need to do it this way. Um, not only was it not kind, but it was also not um, productive in terms of students actually owning their learning. So I had to be very intentional with my students and teach them how to be an active listener. And, some, and I had to really highly structure that with my, my middle schoolers because they had no idea. No one had ever taught them, you know? So it was like one minute, one person, person A was going to talk. And then at the end of the minute, person B was going to talk. But before person B talked, person B had to share one thing that they heard from person A. And so I was teaching them not just to, to um not talk, but to be intentionally listening and to reflect on what the person was saying so they could repeat back what they were hearing and create a conversation. So hopefully those types of things, you know, being intentional in our practice and being aware of what are some skills that my students really need to develop. 
So kindness is a skill. And some of those long-term impacts are, you know, kids are going to have more friends. I mean, they're going to have people that want to spend time with them because it is actually a strength in social relationships. Now I have three kids and it was almost like my second one, my middle child. And maybe it was because he was the middle child. (laughs) He has so many friends and he's the sweetest things, sweetest thing. He's 10 years old. And I would say to him, why, why are you so kind? And he says, mom, I think I was just born that way. You know? Um, But I think also some of it was that, as a middle child, he had to kind of make some sacrifices really because uh, the older one was kind of dominating my attention because he was ready to take on more. And the younger one was more needed in terms of her basic needs. So the middle child kind of had to sacrifice getting more of the intention and be more of that listener and be more of that playmate. And so ironically, I mean, he just has tons of friends. And so, and everyone, all his teachers always say, oh, he, your son, Colin, he is just the kindest, sweetest thing. Um, so really just uh, the more we can teach the kids about how to be less selfish, less self-centered, more intentional, more aware of other people's feelings, more aware of um, how their actions you know, uh, engage with other people or are perceived by others, I think the long-term benefits of, you know, having better social relationships, um, being perceived by peers or even adults as kind, then people intuitively want to just spend more time with you. They want to have relationships with you. And so kindness is really just kind of this not only giving, but also perceiving. And then when you perceive it, then you want to give more. So teaching things, teaching our kids about um, how to be kind and what it looks like, you know, again, helping, you know, helping each other um, and not just being the kind of the ruler and the controller, but um, what does it mean to help? And with my children, now that we're all three of us homeschooling, you know, they all have chores. They all have responsibilities that are developmentally appropriate. My middle schooler, he has to help his little sister who's in the first grade with her homework. And that enables me to, you know, to help my middle schooler, my second student who's 10, and he, you know, struggles a little bit with some subjects. Um, and then just, you know, what does it mean to, to be an active listener? And I talked about some of those strategies and what that looks like. Um, but also as teachers being really intentional in terms of to listening to our students. And I used to have a a suggestion box in my, my middle school class and, you know, the kids could write anonymous things, you know, and I would always do check-ins with them and surveys and say, you know, what's working for you. We did actually, we did math journals and, um, and I would ask them, I would ask them, you know, how are you feeling and what's working for you? Or, you know, what do you like about this class? Or, What are some things maybe that you do in another class that you wish you had in this class? And I think it really, especially with our older kids, it's really important to be reflective and and not take things personal. Um, And just, and in terms of just modeling that with our kids and, you know, doing those types of think alouds about, you know, why we're doing it. I always do emotion check-ins with my kids and say, you know, I'm feeling this way today. And, 
And then it gives them an opportunity to really kind of step up and, and to show them kindness to me. Like, hey, I'm really tired today. Um, you know, I could really use your help here. And that's okay to own it. You know, as adults, we kind of have to, we try to do everything, but we have to also own how we're feeling and, and be intentional. Like, I'm going to go for a walk by myself because I just feel like I need to have some alone time. And that makes me feel better. So sharing how we're feeling, sharing our emotional responses. And then, of course, we can be very explicit in terms of how we're teaching kindness and teaching our students how their choices have an impact, right? So it could be just a science experiment, cause and effect, but choices have an impact. Um, so we want our students to to be aware of that and, and also to plan for the future. I think that's really being very intentional about what kindness looks like and how we can plan for it. And that really ties into other skills like goal setting or self-regulation. You know, a lot of kids, they might lack kindness because they don't know how to self-regulate. They don't know how to check in with themselves and saying um, how they're feeling and then having a strategy in terms of I'm feeling angry, I need to give myself a timeout or I need to kind of have some alone time or, you know, I'm feeling really frustrated right now. So I need to go for a walk or just, you know, have a, a quiet space that I can have to myself. And so those types of things where we can make our children aware of how they're feeling and, and doing that modeling that as adults then they can own their behavior, they can own their outcomes, right? And then when they do have a consequence or something doesn't happen, we can do those types of conflict resolution strategies with them so they can be aware of their actions, right? We don't want to be, as if your Alfie Cohen would say, we don't want to punish our kids with rewards. I think that's kind of a street walk we don't want to take because just like any type of behavioral experiment, once those reward goes away, so does the behavior. So we want to be very authentic with how we teach kindness. It shouldn't be, oh, you're kind, you get a dollar and you get to go to the prize box. Because that's really not authentically teaching kindness. But if we attach the whole concept or construct of kindness to emotional feelings, to emotional responses, to actions, to behaviors, to outcomes, then it will be more authentic it will also be something that is a positive trait that students want to adopt. They want to own. And, um, you know, small things like that can really make a big change. So thinking about the school year and how we can model kindness. I mean, there's a lot of great ways. Literature um, is phenomenal. I love uh, this story, The Great Kapok Tree. And it's actually, it has a lot of um, reference to uh, ecological principles and science and lurking, learning about, our, about how our actions have consequences. It's a story about um, a man who is a, a construction worker and he's, you know, cutting down trees as part of his job. And he falls asleep and then these animals come and they talk to him in his dreams and and say, please don't talk down this tree, and this, this tree gives me life, and this tree is where I live, and, and I'll be homeless if you chop down this tree. And so it really goes into those emotional spaces that kids need to be able to own their feelings 
because that's what kindness is. It's a feeling. It's an emotional response. So this is a great story. Um, if you're thinking about bringing in kindness to your literature, um, the giving tree is a classic. It's another wonderful story where you can talk about kindness and, and what it, in this, you know, kind of what it means to be kind to just as a human element of human nature. And it's really about those relationships that we build and how we, how our kindness kind of has a ripple effect. Um, this is a great classic if you're K pre preschool. Um, the, the giving tree. I'm sorry, the kissing hands. I love this one. I'm sure you guys have seen this. And at the end, they give you a whole little bunch of hearts. This is a great first day of school story. Um, it's about animals and it's the first day of school. So they're at, it's at, it takes place at night. So again, a lot of science concepts, which is great. And it's actually been a lot of research about teaching social emotional skills through animals because there's just this, you know, we don't have that communication skill. Um, animals, we can't communicate to them, but we can emotionally, we can with our eyes. So eye contact is also really important and just teaching them empathy and perspective taking without any words. And so if you can also get in, I didn't grab one today. One of those wordless books are awesome because you have to infer, right? You have to infer what's happening based on the actions and based on the characters' faces and features. And any types of, those types of particular novels are really phenomenal with getting our students to tap into those skills so that they can be aware. And really, like I said, throughout, it's really about intentionality. And, and you know, I'm at the store today and I'm thinking about a thousand things I have to get done, but I'm not being very intentional with where I am right here right now. And so we can't really be kind or we can't teach kindness or can have self-awareness if we're not in the moment. So even teaching, if you're seeing that your kids are lacking that self-regulation skill, which is, I believe, critical to, um, to developing kindness, you might want to start with developing those skills. It's just teaching your child to be present. It could be through breathing. It could be through meditation. It could be through mindfulness. You can be through all of those things, right? Because they're all skills that will help them in the future. Now, personally, I love exercise for some reason for me, and I think it's because I'm so busy. Exercise helps me become more mindful. It helps me be more, more present in my moment. So if you are teaching at home or if you're working with your kids at home, you need to check in with your students, check in with your children figure out what helps them get through the day. And I have three kids. They have three different approaches for them. All of them love to cuddle though. <laughs> so I'm also a big fan of the five love languages. And for all of my kids, touch is really important. It's just checking in with them, you know, cuddling with them, giving them a hug, starting that, our day together with some emotional space. And actually, you know, I learned that through a therapist because I was having a really tough time with my son. And he said, you know what? Just when he starts getting, he was getting very aggressive. He was three years old. And she said, you know, I just want you to cuddle him and hold him. I said, okay, I can do that. I can do that. And I noticed it shifted his whole entire energy because he was feeling a lot of anxiety because we had moved and it was just so much change that was going on. 
that he didn't, my other son had no impact, but my middle son, I'm sorry, my oldest son really impacted his social emotional space. And so it's important to really check in with kids and what's happening in their lives and then responding to it. Just like, you know, we're just like doctors. Our kids come in, they have different symptoms. They have different things that they need to work on. We need to check in with them and see what is the prescription. So the five love languages is amazing. One of the love language is touch. Another one is spending time with. Another one is gifts, recognition. Um, so getting in touch with those love languages, I think work just as well. There's actually a kid's version of five love languages. If you haven't read that, get it from the local library. Um, 100 Day of Worries. I'm a math teacher, so I love this book. <laughs> it's all counting by tens. But this is a really, even though it's a math, like you would think, oh, this is math. We're counting base 10, and they ha- have to make a collection of tens, and you, know, you get to see all these different ways of adding and counting by tens. But there's also a situation here with this little girl who is worried, and she's feeling a lot of anxiety because she can't make this collection. And so feeling you see this whole evolution of her family kind of pulling together, supporting their daughter, helping her make her collection. And so a lot of these stories, even though we might have one in 10, there's also an opportunity for us to kind of develop and teach social emotional skills like kindness, like empathy, like caring, and they're really interconnected. Um, So definitely infused literature in all your subject areas. I talked about math, science, English language arts. And of course you could take any of these books and you can extend it. You can have your students, you know, take a story like, um, you know, the great Capoetry and then write a letter to someone in the U S Congress about an issue they're concerned about and what they recommend. You could take a story like a hundred day worries and having students write about something that they worried about and how their problem got resolved. You could take a story like um, The Kissing Hand and talk about how they showed caring and empathy for a friend or for a parent or for a loved one. So creating those opportunities, I think it's really important for parents too, because we want to do it all. We want to create this really safe space for our kids to thrive. But then when we do that, we increase so much comfort for them. We really prevent them from having any opportunities to learn and to grow and to experience. So I think it's really important to also kind of let yourself be vulnerable and and share with your kids your emotional space so that they can demonstrate caring and empathy with you. Um, And you also, as a classroom teacher, like I said, you can have a kindness wall You can have like a kindness detective. Your students can be kindness detectives and they can find kindness acts. Um, They can go through the the newspaper or, you know, if you're teaching virtually, they can talk about maybe, um, you know, having a day. I like to do calendar activity with my students and, and you can explicitly teach a social emotional skill every single day with your calendar activity. Today is kindness day. So you need to be intentional with doing one act of kindness. And then you can have your students come up with an entire list, entire ways that they can be kind, whether it's out in nature with their family or siblings or, you know, being really intentional and then the next day having them report back about what they did. Um, So modeling it, 
pointing it out, you know, when you're in the classroom, pointing out acts of kindness and pointing out um, what others are doing and then definitely celebrating kindness and making it a celebration, um, you know, just a space for kids to kind of share their kindness, share their stories, share what's, you know, what they're doing and how they're being kind to each other. So um, it is multifaceted. It can easily be integrated across content areas, no matter what you're teaching. Um, It should be authentic. It is a strength of the heart. It's something that we need to be intentional about. Um, Kindness is, it's an action. It's speech. It's also helping. It's what we do. It's giving. It's sharing. It's listening. And it's something that we need to teach. So Uh, just remind you that remember our choices as adults do have an impact and our kids are watching us. So, so be intentional in your practice, be intentional. And you know, we are going to make mistakes and just own that mistake. Talk about what you would do differently. Talk about how it made you feel or how it might've made other people feel is really that cause and effect. So you, you're already doing the science and engineer practices from NGSS Uh, just by teaching kindness. So hopefully you got some great ideas in terms of how you can be intentional in teaching kindness, but also integrating kindness across the content area. All right. So I'm going to pause here and see if there is any questions or things that people want to talk about. No questions. So people can unmute if you want. Maybe we can have a little dialogue about one act of kindness that either someone did for you or you did for someone else, just to bring that notion of kindness into our awareness. Because awareness is, is I would say awareness is about 90% of the battle in terms of, of teaching kindness. All right, so Elizabeth asked a question, and feel free. Um, how would you practice this with children with autism? That's a great question. Um, I am not an expert in autism. Um, I do have a podcast on my podcast, Teacher Prep, with a woman who is an expert in autism. And so autism is a... Um, I would say it's a a learning disorder in which children have difficulty taking perspective of others, which um, enables them, disables them from, from, um, from having positive relationships, generally speaking. And again, I'm not an expert here, um, but I think it's important and it's wonderful that we have the Individuals with Disability Educational Act idea which allowed children with exceptionalities to be part of the mainstream classroom, which really provides an opportunity for kids with learning differences to be part of the classroom 
and for us to be um, explicitly teaching our students about kindness through learning about uh, different disabilities and learning about different way that people perceive the world um, and how we can be intentional um, in terms of teaching students and supporting them. So uh, I would say just bringing that awareness in and with any intentional act, you would want to have repetitive practice and opportunities to engage. You'd also want to know, I know autism is a spectrum. So depending on the severity of the autism, um, what types of intervention would be most effective, um, whether it's one-on-one um, -on -one interaction where you're explicitly modeling and having the students practice that behavior before they would then go and work with their students, but also, you know, working with mainstream kids, teaching them about autism, letting them know about uh, this particular learning disability and how they can be supportive. So by having that opportunity to, to practice kindness with their peers and then bringing that into their practice, they're also modeling for that particular student um, and teaching them uh, what kindness is. So I would encourage you to, uh, to, to really look at that particular area. Um, you can also look at, I'm trying to think of the resource right now. It's blanking on me. Um, but if you do go to the, the podcast and her name is, let me just check. I'll add that to, to the chat. Chris Reeves, and she also has a website and has some wonderful ideas, specific strategies that teachers can effectively create a positive learning environment for uh, students with autism. Okay. Oops, did I send that out to everybody? Any other questions or does anyone have any specific strategies or things that they've already done in their classroom to demonstrate or model kindness with their, with their students? I talked about a few strategies, but was there anything else that you've done that works really well? Feel free to add in the chat. So Rachel asked a question about, do you have any suggestions for parents teaching from home and how to motivate kids to do their work when they aren't up to it? Yeah, that is really huge. Um, you know, I think it's really important that uh, you have to think about your parents as kind of like co-teachers with you, right? They're part of the process. And so just like when you're starting your first few days of school, you want to also build in those routines and teach your students or teach the parents that they need to help 
develop routines for their kids. So first routine would be getting up and getting dressed, eating breakfast, brushing their teeth, going for a walk, you know, checking in online, um, going at writing down their schedule. You can have them get like a planner. I have my planners right here. I bought planners for my kids. They have to keep track of their schedule. I also got, um, just whiteboard paper. I got at CVS that my daughter writes down her agenda every day. So really we're trying to teach our kids how to, to own their learning. And so we do that by trusting in them and, and giving them some ownership and some choice. I think that's really also can be very empowering if kids are reluctant. So when you are designing instruction, I'm not sure how old your students are, um, but making sure that you build in choice with their activities so that they can choose, you know, how they want to start their day or what activities they want to work on right away. Um, and then definitely, like I said, setting up those structures about things they must do and things they may do. They have to, and I do that with my daughter every day because she's only in first grade. Every day she must do like four or five things. And after she does her must do list, then you may do these other things. You may play with your LOL dolls. You may go jump on the trampoline. You may call a friend. So those are all choices they may do after they do their must do. So um, those seem to work really well with me, um, with my younger children. Uh, with my older children, I like, as I shared, they are getting some choice, which allows them to have some autonomy in their learning. And there's obviously things they must do. They must attend their daily meetings um, with their teachers. And then they may do other things once they've completed their list. Um, but things like having a journal or a little planner for them to record and you can check off um, to help them self-regulate. My son, um, we obviously we had uh, distance learning last year. So I would check in with him. I have three kids I'm working with at home and then teaching online. So I had to have at some point have let them have some ownership of what they're doing. So creating a system with you are working with other kids at maybe one point you're checking in with them throughout the day. Um, and then if the student is really reluctant, then I would say that maybe it's time to build in some rewards. Um, you know, 10 stickers once they've complete x amount of tasks a sticker a task or something like that then they get a reward that they want so whether they want to play roblox or they want to call a friend or they want to watch a show it could be something that it's earned so a lot of this is really based on where the kids are developmentally um, and then building those systems of support for them that can help them uh, become more self-regulated and independent All right. Any other questions or suggestions? That's a great question. I do have a suggested schedule. If you want, I can email it to you for remote learning. Um, and it's for elementary grades. I also have one for secondary as well. I can send you, Rachel.
Great. And Elizabeth said she's also using sign language. That's amazing. So remember that kindness and happiness, those are choices, right? So we need to be intentional and with our students and with our kids to, to choose to be kind every day. We don't have to be kind. It's not something that's in our DNA. Um, but it is contagious. Like I said, you guys are weathermen. We, we're, we're weather women, or I think we're mostly women here, say. So we're, we're the weather women. So our kids, are, whether we're in the classroom or we're, we're teaching remotely, our energy, our weather is going to be contagious with them. So being kind, being happy, those are energies that we're putting out into, onto our students. If someone smiles, we're going to smile back, right? So um, just make sure that you're modeling that. Um, even if you need to, uh, to fake it till you make it. <laughs> I had someone say that the other day. I had, a, I was, I had a, on my podcast interviewing a woman, and she said, yeah, my son's favorite teacher. And I saw him at the grocery store, and I said, like, wow, you did so amazing last year. And he said to her, I hated teaching uh, distance learning last year. It's not who I am or what I do. And she's like, well, how did you do that? And she's like, he's like, I just smiled every day and just try to be positive. And, you know, I just pretended that I really liked it. So, and then my kids caught on. So uh, remember that, um, you know, and I think in terms of that, I know it's really hard. Everyone, everyone's feeling right now like the world is on their shoulders. I feel like that right now. I'm like, how am I doing this? I, I, I can't tell you how many times I'm like, I'm just going to quit my job. This is just too much. <laughs> but then I check in and I was like, you know what? I need to be so grateful that I have a job right now. A lot of people are unemployed. Um, they, they're not able to break, put food on the table or pay for their mortgage. So, you know, just be grateful every day. If that, that's going to help you bring kindness into your practice, it's the little things. If you don't know what to be grateful for, make a list. Every day I'm just grateful to be alive. I'm also grateful um, for my health, my children's health. We, we had a woman last year, was my daughter's ballet class in my first grade class. She lost her life. She died. She was my age. She, she had two little girls in, in my daughter's class. Um, and she, she died of cancer in, in June. Um, and I think of her, you know, and I mean, not to kind of be like, Oh, uh, you know, but I think about how lucky I am just to be alive, just to be alive, just to be there for my kids every day to let them cuddle me and hold me and just be there for them. And, and vice versa, you know, I can't tell you how many times I'm lying in bed and I yell at my kids, come cuddle me because I need, I need that too. So um, little things like that can really just flip our switch. Um, but believe, you know, we need to also be very hopeful at this time. I know it's really hard, but believing that everything ultimately happens for a reason, I know it can be really hard right now, but I think it really, we, it, I think there could be a lot of good that comes out of what's happening right now. Families are reconnecting. I'm, I've learned so much more about my kids than, than I ever knew just because we're spending so much more time together. We're not rushing off from one activity to the next. 
And I'm telling I need you guys to help me. We're all sharing this space together. Um, we need to help each other out. You know, you want mommy to be happy. I want to be happy. So, you know, we've made a list of chores. Everyone has to do to help out every day, whether it's, you know, helping cook or helping clean up. And, and I think those acts too. And I, and I talked about that in my, um, trailer that my, actually my son, I want to tell you guys, my son shot that trailer for me and he was so proud of himself. I said, mommy has to do this recording for be, be happy, be kind. And I, and will you help me record it? And so by allowing, you know, I could have done it myself. I could have set up the camera by, by allowing him to help me, right. It's giving him an opportunity to be kind. And then he feels good about it, right? So then he's feeling good about it. It's almost like stimulus response. He's then realizing, hey, if I'm kind to other people, I kind of feel good too. It's, it's not really just a one-way street. Being kind is not just me giving and me exerting myself. I'm also getting something from it too. Um, so, so believing that, you know what, even though we're in kind of, strange times. I don't want to call them dark times because it's still gorgeous out, right? It's still beautiful. There's still a lot of great things happening, but it's a strange time that good things are happening. Good things are coming out of it. Um, and, and acceptance, right? Acceptance leads the way to happiness. And that was really hard for me because I hated wearing a mask. Every time I went to the store, like, this is so uncomfortable. And then I, I caught a little thing of gratitude. I was like, wow, well, imagine if I had to work here at the grocery store and had to wear a mask all day. Wow. I just got to work, wear it for 10 minutes. You could, people have to wear it all day. And I have to accept that this is the reality. I'm, by doing this, I'm doing the right thing. And I can accept it. I can own it. I can be happy. I can move on. Um, and so making sure that you know, we're giving that away every day. We're giving away that kindness. We're giving away that courage. We're giving away that hope. And then we do that. We inspire other people. We encourage other people. It becomes that, that ripple effect. And it'll become an unending source of kindness. It continues to grow and it continues to evolve. And it continues to exist. And that's really what it's all about. So I'm feeling very kind and grateful and, you know, to be here with you guys today and to talk about, um, these times right now. So, uh, does anyone else want to share with me or talk about an attitude of gratitude that they've developed during these strange times of COVID-19 or things that they've become aware of? I think it's really important to also share. You can type it in the chat or you can activate your microphone. Oh, the extra cuddles. <laughs> I wanted to get a dog for so long. And then I was like, wait, I have three kids I can just cuddle with. And then everybody's just happy. It's just so weird. Just the cuddling, how that really creates a, a warm space of love and, and acceptance. Yeah, I know that's really hard to miss your students. That's been really hard. 
Um, one of the things that you can do that my do- my daughter's kindergarten teacher did last year was she she would send letters to her like just every couple weeks she would get a letter from her teacher Miss Allie and had a sticker on it and she just wrote a little post card uh, and it was just a little act of kindness that just she was excited about running out to the mail every day because she was hoping that Miss Allie would send her another letter. And it really, and, and we talk about like ripple effect. That actually had a ripple effect on our family because um, we started sending letters to other people. And when she finished uh, one of her books about unicorns, oh, actually she loves Jojo Siwa. And her friend, one of her other friends loves Jojo Siwa. We put it in the mail and we sent it to her friend. I think one time we even dropped off slime to a friend. <laughs> Because her friends, um, her she was talking to her friend on the phone and talking about how we were we were uh, we were making slime, and her friend was like, "I want slime." So they dropped it off in the mail. We dropped it to her friend. Yeah, dogs are like very expensive right now. Um, they're in high demand, so I think everybody's looking for a dog. And I figured, well, I kind of have three pets already, so <laughs> I'll let it go. When when it, the time's right, God will put a dog in our life. A lot of people out there that are that really need an animal because they're all alone, and that I think that's really the hardest thing. Um, and ironically, my mom she uh, she lost my dad. It was. My dad died in January. Um, I was flying back and forth to Boston from California, and um, he passed in January. He had stage four cancer, and um, then COVID, and then my and then my cousin died in February. Um, God bless her. She she had a long long addiction with um, opioids. Young woman too. She was my age. Young son. Really sad. Um, God said it, it was time, you know, the battle was over. Um, and then March COVID and, and my sister was living in an apartment with her three kids and she just, and she decided to move in with my mom because my mom has a big house. So she was not able to, to homeschool and she was living with, um, her boyfriend and her three kids. And he also has a drug addiction. It's, it's really, it's really sad, but I think we need to, like I said, we need to name these things because they're, they're things that are impact us. So, you know, they're things that are part of our lives and um, we can't keep it in. So, and we need to share that we need to share the pain because by sharing the pain, we release the pain. Um, and even though my dad died, I, I was, you know, I was glad that I got, I was like, you know what? Even though he died, I was glad I got to spend that time with him because he got diagnosed in September and he died in January. And I was just thinking, man, you know, I, I flew back every, every two weeks I was flying back, spending even just a weekend with him just so I could spend time with him. And, um, I'm tearing up. That's okay. I haven't talked about it, you know, 
um, we did the, we did the ancestry. We just spent hours talking about the whole entire history of the Wadman clan, where the name came from and his ancestors and his dad's dad and how they immigrated to America and what their journey was like. And I think it helped add some closure because he knew his life was coming to an end, but it's about having that legacy, you know? So ironically, this is how crazy I am. I, I know I definitely have some hyperactivity. That's why I have my bike in the back. <laughs> it's like, uh, I need to ride it every day just to kind of feel, helps me calm down. So if you have hyper kids exercise, that's all I have to say. I was a hyperactive kid. I did really bad in school, but I think if I had exercised every single day, I would have done much better academically. Um, so at my last, I don't have a book on me, but I just finished a book. I'll send you guys a link. And I wrote a book and I dedicated it to my dad. He, he was just with me the whole time writing, writing this book. And it's on Amazon. Um, it's called uh, The Virtual Classroom. And it's about creating distance learning experiences. Because I've been walking in the space of, and I was telling um, the host of distance learning now since 2010, teaching remotely. And I love my students. Like my students are rock stars. They call me, we text each other. I send them bitmojis. I mean, sometimes we even get teary-eyed on our last week of class because we love our times together chatting remotely. Um, so I'm not sure. I love, I just did a presentation on Google Jamboard. I don't know if you guys have heard of that. It is phenomenal. There's some really cool jams. I don't know if I can share my screen, but, um, you want me to share it with you guys? You can see it. (laughs) It's so much fun. I see a thumbs up. Let me get it. Let me get it. Okay. I'm going to send you guys an invitation to this fun Google Jamboard. So. I'm sorry to hear about your mom being terminally ill. That is, that is so challenging. Um, But I will say, I don't know who's sharing this, Lauren. Um, My dad died. I was on FaceTime with him. And I was singing to him, Tora Laura Laura, it's an Irish lullaby because he's Irish. And it was the most beautiful thing ever. I knew he was passing. And, you know, I had to make a choice. I could have tried to fly out that night or the night before. And I said, you know what? I want to be present. I want to be like here for him right now. And, um, and my sister called me on FaceTime and, uh, and I, I just kind of, I sang to him the whole time. I just sang to him. I played his songs because we danced to Patsy Cline crazy. And I sang that song to him and, and my kids were with me and they were there and we, you know, all these songs we were just singing and talking to him. And it's, just, you know, even now my, my son says, Oh Yeah. My dad used to always say, you dirty rat. He's like a, you know, channeling his inner gangster 
he was a, he was a character. Um, so just, you know, take that as a blessing that you are able to connect with your mom and be present for her in a space where you're not feeling like really anxious, but just really be present to connect with her on that emotional level. It's a blessing. All right. So if you haven't heard of Jamboard, this is the new thing that I'm in love with for distance learning. Um, I make these myself. I can send you the presentation. But here's a fun thing. It's called Would You Rather? Que Prefieres? And it's taking a little bit long, but I can send this to you guys. Here we go. So it's 20 slides. It could be just a little morning check-in with your kids when you're doing distance learning. You get to pick the background. You can add text to this. I'll share the link with you. You don't have to sign into Google's, Google Docs. See, right now it says anyone on the internet with this link can edit. So I'm giving you guys a copy. I'm going to add it to the chat. And then I want you to go. See, I already did this with another group. I was doing a training on Jamboard last week, and we did this one. So would you rather sing on a TV show or dance on TV show? So you're going to click on these. They're called sticky notes. You click on it. You press edit. And then you write your name. Then you press save. And there it is. And I think I'd rather, I love to dance. I'm a Zumba girl. I'm just going to, even though I sing, I was telling you all about my singing. Like I'm in my zone when I'm dancing. That's just like, that's my flow right there. So I'm going to share this with you guys. Let me just get this out of here. Oops. How do I get out of here? Sorry about that. I'm going to add it to the chat. And you should be able to go onto the Jamboard now and do exactly what I did. Would you rather sing or dance on a television show? So if you are looking for more strategies, I don't want to, um, I shared with you, um, my podcast that I have. I, I don't know how many people are out there teaching kindergarten or preschool, but there is a colleague of mine, a friend of mine, his name is Ben Cogswell. He has made over, I don't know, a thousand lessons on Seesaw and YouTube is a YouTube channel, which are phenomenal for early reading. Definitely check him out. He's got a YouTube channel. Um, if you're teaching elementary middle school, I did write a book. It's called, again, I told you guys, it's dedicated to my dad. It's called The Virtual Classroom. And, um, oops, that's another link. It's about creating distance learning experiences in math specifically. But a lot of the strategies you can share um, in English language arts. So definitely check out those tools. Um, if you wanna learn some other best practices, if you have questions, I can definitely 
it really is my, my little area of expertise is distance learning and using technology. So I'd be happy to share that with you. Okay, let's see who's doing our Jamboard now. So I see people are joining. So you want to click on this sticky note, edit, and then write your name. And then just drag your name over to, would you rather sing on a television show or dance on TV show? And you just drag it. All right, I have other jams. Um, the kindergarten preschool teachers really like this calendar warm up that I've done. Um, it's right here. Somebody wrote on this. Here it is. I do have a video on my YouTube channel if you want to know how to make your own Jamboard for your students. I think this would be really good for early reading. I have one uh, for secondary math, too. So um, these are just images that I added for our daily math warm-up. And then I can, what I like about this as opposed to, like, using a Google slide is that if I share this with my students, they get a copy and then they get to use all of these tools, the pen tool, the eraser tool, the sticky note. They can add an image or they can laser. So if I wanted to say today is the 11th, wait, today is, no, today is the 12th, sorry. What are some ways that we can make 12? Is an odd or even number? How do you know? What's one more? What's one less than 12? What's 10 more? and 10 less. And this is like thinking about hundreds charts, right? So looking for patterns. Can you draw it? Can you drag the sticker, the um, stars down to make 12? How many tens and ones are in 12? What are some ways that we can make 12 using these coins? Boom. How many tally marks? Okay. So um, I'll share the video with you if you're interested in using Google Jamboard as well on how to make a Google Jamboard. Any questions for me? I know I've kind of gone from kindness to classroom to virtual. All right. Hey, Lauren, how's it going? It's good to see another I'm face. Good. good, thank you. I figured you were willing to be vulnerable, so I <laughs> thought I should just show my face and say hi. I got away. 
Yeah, that really adds to that whole space of like being authentic because I don't think you can really teach kindness unless you are authentic and that requires you to be vulnerable. So it's, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> it is hard. So yeah, but thanks for joining me. Thank you. And you're a, a kindergarten teacher or No, I'm just a parent. I'm a parent of a of a middle schooler who has special needs. Okay. Well, welcome. What um, what age? What grade? She's 14. I had to think about that. Uh-huh. And uh, going into eighth grade. Great. Awesome. School. Graduate soon. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this year is it until high school. So are you, are you doing distance learning? Are you homeschooling or? No homeschool. Um, but our school is doing distance learning to start. Right. And then we don't know exactly what's going to happen. So we're prepared for distance learning. So I, my, my spouse and I have learned a lot about what the teachers do and her, how she learns and how she, how she deals with the work during the day. Um, And that's been really enlightening. Yeah, I I agree. And I also have a a son who, um, he has an IEP. So he learns differently. Um, So it's been really, it's been great for me to just kind of figure out how I can best support him. Um, I don't know if I was doing a really good, or I was doing everything I could have been doing. But now that I feel like I know his learning style much more, I have so much more grace and how I approach him, um, with learning. So it's that, what I said, you know, there's been small blessings through all of this. There really has. So, um, you know, it's just, there's just different challenges and, you know, um, for eighth grade, I will say, I do love iCivics for iCivics is Mm -hmm. amazing. I don't know if you've checked that out. No. One day my son was homesick. <laughs> uh-huh. He's a middle schooler. And I was like, well, you can't just sit here and watch YouTube all day. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And he's like, well, what am I going to do? So I actually had this podcast interview with this man. Um, he's a professor out at another university. He was a social studies teacher. And he told me all about iCivics, which is huh. a, gamified learn- a gamified way of learning social studies. So he literally spent the entire afternoon learning about the three branches of the government <laughs> and how to balance, how to balance schoolhouse rocks. Yeah. It was, like, <laughs> it was like that, but then, you know, he got to see how every action had a consequence. So it was really, it was really impressive mm-hmm. how, how you, how are now able to gamify learning. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I would just say like for me as a parent with child with special needs, I think it, um, I would say just don't be afraid to advocate for your child. You know, if you know, like my son's teacher assigned him Khan Academy. And I'm like, this is not working for him. Not helpful. <laughs> it was not. He would get so frustrated. Over my head. Yeah. He would slam the computer and I'm like, this is not working. And so um, I just said, you know what? I said, we need to do something else. And, and so I said, I went and did the research and I found another tool for him, um, Dreambox, which is phenomenal because he's very kinesthetic. Mm. 
And so even though he wasn't able to physically move the manipulatives, it had those components. Um, I would check out, I just found this other tool for um, secondary students. It's called ST Math. Oh, gosh, they use that at our school. Oh, well, that's phenomenal. It was actually. She loves it. She, okay. I, it's hard to get her off it. Wow. I can't save my changes. I have to go to the end. That's awesome. I just watched the TED Talk from the guy that found oh, yeah. ST Math, and he was oh. dyslexic. And so it was, re- I was so, uh, for me as a teacher educator, to learn about his struggles with math and how it, through struggle, right? They say that through struggle, we learn, we grow, and we overcome. Wow. So yeah, that's a great TED Talk video. But S- that's great to hear they're using ST Math. That's what I was going to recommend for math. We are in, um, we are in a private school that's for kids with learning and attentional differences. Mm-hmm. So um, they, they use they use all the tools that they can to get the kids engaged and learning and hit all the right notes for all the all the kids. And uh, it's enjoyable for us too. They assign a lot of educational videos, but it's not just you know sit down and watch these videos. But they're short little videos. I wouldn't be surprised if it was I. What is it called? iCivics? Yeah. Oh, iCivics, yeah. Wouldn't be surprised because this social studies teacher likes to show these little little videos, and they're very memorable. Cool. Yeah. Oh, I think iCivics is gamified, but a lot of yeah. teachers are using Edpuzzle now. Have you heard of that? No. So Edpuzzle is another tool. I actually just made an Edpuzzle with my kids. Um, it's a movie. You can take a video clip, but then you can embed, you can, um, kind of like pause the movie at different points and, and put in questions to check for understanding. That sounds great. Yeah, it's really cool. And I'm not sure if she struggles with reading another tool that you might want to do. Okay. Um, is immersive reader. Immersive reader. So there's two, here's my two big tools for, uh, would be immersive reader which is um, you can download it from Google Chrome. And I had a little video I did on my YouTube channel about it. It will translate the text. It will read at different speeds. It will read at different annotations. It will tell you the parts of speech. It will take any text on the web and and read it to you. Wow. All Google Chrome browser, all Google Chrome. I don't know why I didn't know about that. That one's free, and it's part of Microsoft Office. So if you use anything like OneNote or OneDrive or anything like that, it will it will automatically read the text to you. Wow. Yeah. All, I, I could use that. I know. It's phenomenal. My son also loves um, Google Speech to Text. Yay, and then, so he hates that. And then, have you tried Grammarly? Yeah, that's Grammarly. Good... It just doesn't that just correct your um, yeah the writing, right? I use it. I use it too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm always responding to de- discussion boards posts on the internet. So I'm yeah, like, that's oh. fun. And it'll be like two in the morning, and I'm working, and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> So it looks like someone asked a, um, Rachel asked a question about um, her daughter who's in first grade. Oh, okay. 
So I chat. Yeah, we will be doing virtual for the first time being, and I'm working from wow. home and single parent. Yeah. I'm worried about how important what they learn in first grade is. Um, is your daughter reading or Schoology is a learning management system. That's where they'll be giving all the assignments and assessments is through Schoology, but it also works with other like Google and different apps. Um. You know, first grade's a really important year because that's where they learn how to read. It also helps with their number sense. Well, that's great that she's starting to read. Um, I would recommend using a tool, uh, tool like Dreambox. They might, I know when we signed up, we got three free months. And just, you know, the most important thing is just give, you know, finding reading instruction that's at her level. So you can go to reading A to Z, which is, uh, is a great tool to find out her, her reading level. Um, most school districts use a tool called Fontes and Pinnell. And you can, you can see what reading level she's at. I actually just did a reading assessment for my daughter the other day, reading A to Z. And I had a, a friend, I was um, assessing him to see what level he's at. And so you can print out these fluency passages and they'll give you their Lexile level. And so basically, um, you know, if she's able to read with, you know, at a certain level, like um, I think first grade is like, like level A, B, C, D. Um, then you can decide, you can even get books from the library based on her reading level. And they'll give you a list of recommended books based on her uh, level of frustration. Once she's able to read a passage fluently, then it's time to increase the level that she's on. So check out Reading A to Z. They also have an online tool, an online program that's actually really good. It's called Raz Kids. It's good. I, I, I've, I also tried ABC Mouse, and it's fun and it's gamified, but I don't really... ABC Mouse is good for preschool TK. They really do a good job of teaching the letters and the sounds. But if she already knows the sounds and the letters, then she just needs practice with fluency, putting the sounds and letters together to make words. And that's just going to happen with daily practice. Um, and then math, anything like um, that she could just practice counting, making, I would do something like a counting collection where she can make a collection of items and count, start counting one to one and then counting by, um, twos, fives, and tens. And when she can count one to one correspondence, counting by twos, fives, and tens, and then make a collection of groups and then do adding and subtracting up to 50, um, you could do, if you want to know, like, what their learning targets are for each grade, I can send you a link uh, for I can statements, and it'll tell you each grade level and what they should be able to do by the end of the year. Yeah, it's really hard for all the kids with um, just trying to stay focused. So I would do a must-do, may-do list. That's what I do with my daughter every morning, things that she must do and things that she may do. And then once she finishes everything, then she may do. I also have bonus, you guys. I have a whole bunch of K-5 games that I made for our school district. 
on my website that's free. My daughter's favorite game is called Race to 120. I'll put it in the chat. Um, so just playing games, there's another game. Um, if you click on the K2 games, you'll get a bunch of games. Race to 120 is really good. Um, anything where they're making 10, the capture game, you could just get a deck of cards, estimating, counting, and comparing. And there's a whole bunch of videos of my, my kids. So I've basically started making videos with my kids. My son has speech and language issues. I've, all, I've always had a mindset that, like, your greatest strength can be your greatest asset, right? So I want to make sure that whatever he's doing where he's struggling, it can be an opportunity for him to grow and really excel. Um, so just kind of build that into your practice in terms of focusing on where they can grow and and using those places where they struggle as opportunities for growth. I do these little sheets. I just got this plastic sheet that we can wipe off every single day. And she does her must-do-may-do list. Science is really great. Um, I got the, uh, the kiwi crates are awesome. If you've seen those, kiwi crates. And then Mel Science is awesome. But even just getting a book of science activities, because then you do every single discipline in one. You do math, you do reading, you do writing, and science all in one, on one subject area. So um, check those out. And then, um, you know, do a science experiment with her. Have her make slime. And then have her write a few sentences about what she did. Uh, we just did states of matter in my house. Even though I was like, this is so easy. We just take a, what will happen? How long will it take? Can you estimate how many hours it will take to, to make, turn this uh, glass of water into a solid? <laughs> Bye. Please stay in touch. If you have any questions, um, I'll add my email to the chat. Oh, that's great. Thanks. Got it. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. And if you need pen pals, I have three of them. <laughs> oh. Maybe with your eighth grade daughter. And I do I have a picture of him? He is so cute. This is my seventh grader. It was oh, a few, that, Wow. It's a few years ago. But, a, I was going to say, that's not a current seventh grade picture. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a few years ago. But it's it cute. That's my middle schooler. He's, I mean, this is my, he's now in fifth grade, but he's probably in, in second grade, third grade. Wow. Yeah. They are really cute. Thank you. And then the daughter. So. Of course. You know, it's really about connections. I even started a Google classroom for my kids and we meet every Thursday. If I know your daughter's a little, um, your daughter's a little older, but it's just for my daughter so she can meet with other kids um, through Google classroom. So we have a Google hangout meet. Every Thursday at 2 p.m. And we just do some math games. We even did a Kahoot last week. They had so much fun. Kahoot's a great one, too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Nice seeing you. Take care. God Bye -bye. bless. You, too. Thanks for tuning in this week. We would love for you to be part of our next discussion. Join our live events happening every week at BeFunBeKind.com. 
see you soon.